Darlene, that was great. Um, so, we're here, it's Ash Wednesday, and we've just heard a passage of scripture that you probably aren't thinking is that normal to listen to on Ash Wednesday. Um, it's much more in line with Pentecost. So, why, why tonight have I chosen Ash Wednesday for this reading, and, and why, why do they mesh as I see it? Well, the reason is as we start our Lenten series, and, and we're looking at, through this first week up until uh, Saturday, we're going to be looking at standing in confession, okay? And I believe in this scripture passage, one thing is often overlooked when people look at Acts 2, and that is Peter's words as he says, repent and be baptized. Most people, when they think Acts 2 and a, an Acts 2 church definition, they go and kind of jump straight into verses 41 onwards, uh, which, which read, I'll read them again for you. Um, so Acts 2, uh, 41 and on. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together, and all things they had in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, as they spent time together in the temple, they broke bread at home. They ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And that's where people think church, Acts 2. And from those verses, you kind of get the five functions that people will say that a church should have. Worship. In, in verse 47, uh, ministry in verse 45, evangelism in verse 41, the Lord adding to their number as they seek and proclaim the good news, fellowship in verse 46, and then what, what kind of be summed up as discipleship in verse 42, the teaching of the word. But in order for us to be able to really do these things, we've got to be, to, we've got to be committed as disciples to do the things that we're going to be looking at through this Lenten series. We've got to be committed to standing in confession, to standing in the word, to standing in faith, to standing in prayer, to standing in forgiveness, in truth, in humility. And then come Easter morning, we get to stand in victory. See, we're going we're gonna to look at each one of these over the next seven sessions. We're going to look at these characteristics that we are called to live out, both individually and corporately as a church, so that we're able to direct ourselves to live into the functions that God calls the church to be on a collective note, where we come together for worship, and we're worshiping the one true God because we know who he is, because we look to the word, because we spend time in prayer, because we're devoted to the teaching and to each other and growing each other in faith. So let's get started. And we're going to start with confession. That's what tonight is, standing in confession. And confession is vital for all Christians. It's vital that, that we spend time in confession. 
And following Ash Wednesday liturgy tonight, we've spent time in corporate confession. Okay? Why is that important for us? Well, it's important because that's what we're called to do. But let's first define what is confession. Now, if I ask people, what's confession? And people would be like, hmm. It can mean many different things in different areas of life today. And the simple ones would be saying sorry or admitting to having done something wrong in a court of law. But for a Christian, for a disciple of Christ, there's one thing which is essential to our confession, and that is relationship with God. Okay? I kind of define confession as being the recognition of our brokenness, which leads us to renouncing our sin, whereby we would then feel remorse. Okay, so recognition, renouncing sin, and feeling remorse. And it's fundamental for us to get this as disciples, to get this as followers of Jesus, because it's a characteristic that we have to carry with us through our whole life. And if we remember, a great definition of being a disciple is that we give more and more of our life to Jesus. So we live into belief in all areas of our life. Okay, living into belief, well, that, that comes from Mark 1.15, where Jesus comes on the scene. He's just been baptized. He's been out into the wilderness. And he, he comes out and he says, repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. Okay? We've got to live into belief. But in order to live into belief, we've got to go through repentance. And I would argue that in order to get to repentance, you have to go through confession. So that means we have got to recognize, renounce, feel remorse, which leads us then into repenting. Because repentance, it is key. It is a key from Jesus' introduction. He says how key it is. He followed John the Baptist, who's told us how key repentance was. And then here's Peter on Pentecost, telling everybody, repent and be baptized. That's what you need to do as a response to the word. And if you read your scripture, it should lead you to repentance all the time. <laughs> it does me anyway. It should lead us to repentance because it teaches us the truth the way. It's the source of life for us. Jesus came as the word made flesh. And what have we got today? Well, we've got the written word. And with that, we've got the Holy Spirit that he's left with us so that we get to follow him and learn to become more and more like him. But like I said, you can't move forward in repentance unless you've been through confession. And I'd argue that <sighs> I don't know, have you ever tried to repent without confessing? How did it go? <laughs> I've got someone nodding their head over here going, I did that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been there. You've got to hit confession first. Confession is so important. And so I just want to back up a little bit from that, that working on repentance to talk about these aspects of confession. 
and beginning with that recognizing of our brokenness. Okay, we actively have to recognize our brokenness. It's a, it's a choice. It starts with a choice. Okay? And we begin, when we've made that choice, to see more clearly. But we can only see after having recognized that we accept what we see. We can only really see when we accept what we see. It's, it's very possible to realize that, to, to realize as we see our sin and our brokenness, but, but we can see it, but we don't have to accept it. And if we don't accept it, we're never going to renounce it. And if we don't renounce it, we're never going to feel remorse. And if we don't feel remorse, we're never actually going to repent of it because we don't believe it's a sin in the first place. You think about other things in life. I can upset some people now. You might realize that the Ravens aren't the best American football team in the world. But you don't want to accept that if you're a Ravens fan. So you're never going to step into believing that it's the truth. <laughs> and I say that because I always, I always pick on my team, my soccer team, Newcastle United. I, I, I sing the songs. They're the greatest team the world has ever seen. They've never won a trophy in my life. You know, so they're clearly not the greatest team the world has ever seen. So I'm, I'm kind of living in a little bit of denial. As I, but that's what we do as, as, as the sports fans. Why can't we bring that into our faith? Let's name what we see. Let's accept it and let's renounce it because we are all broken people. And we need to move forward. Psalm 52 is an assigned reading for today. Uh, and as I was sat in my study um, this afternoon with a lovely cup of coffee and my kids destroying the guest room um, because I told them, just leave me alone while I try to finish what I'm doing and then we'll play. Um, Psalm 52 came back to me and it, and it really hit this about the accepting, the renouncing and the living into repentance. I'm just going to read the first five, five verses um, to get a, a, a sense of this. It says, why do you boast, O mighty one, of mischiefs? No, that's Psalm 52. I'm going to read Psalm 51. Am I? No. What did I say? Yes, I said 52, but I meant 51. I'm sorry. <laughs> Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner, when my mother conceived me. That's a psalm of David. And he's naming it right there. He's naming his brokenness. And if you remember earlier this year, when we looked at the book of James, James tells us, as we recognize our brokenness, to speak it, to speak it out, and, and particularly to confess to one another. Okay, acknowledging and accepting that sin, speaking it out, it prevents the enemy from being able to hold it over us. 
That's why it really helps to be in community. To be in a community with others who can hold you accountable. Who can be there for you to go and confess to. And if anyone ever comes to confess to you, listen to the confession. But listen with the ears of Christ. And then respond with the words of Christ. Okay? It's not only, and I'll get in trouble for, I can get in trouble for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, it's not only a priest or a pastor that can accept, can see in you the sin and say to you, my child, you're forgiven. You can say that to each other because what is it doing? It is reminding you of the words of scripture. That's all it's doing. And we all get to do that. When James says confess to one another, he doesn't say, go find a really holy person and confess to them. No, he says confess to one another. So be in accountable relationships. Speak to each other. Talk to each other. And name your sin. Because once you've spoken it, it's no longer internalized. And it's no longer then a powerful tool for the enemy to keep throwing back at you. Because you've named it. And once you've named it, and then you can step into accepting it. And then you can step into renouncing it. And then you can step into feeling the remorse that God wants you to feel for having been walking against him. Because that's what sin is. Sin is going against God. And when we do that purposefully, that's going to be even worse. Because then we get to lead into what Peter tells us we have to do, repent. Another way we can think of sin is rebellion. That sounds a bit of a harsh word, but that's what Scripture tells us. It's rebellion against God. And in the baptism liturgy, if you were baptized in, in a Lutheran church or the Anglican church or the Catholic church, I don't care. You'll have said something similar. Or if not you, one of your parents on your behalf, they would have stood there and they would have answered, I renounce it to the question of, do you renounce all forces of evil, the devil and all empty promises? See, I renounce him. I renounce them. But you can't renounce them if you don't accept that they're there. You've got to accept that they're there in the first place. Sin separates us from God. It separates us from God. They're the verses that we just read there in Psalm 51. Doesn't that teach us? And Paul in Romans 3, verse 23, tells us all sin, all have fallen short of the glory of God. And if we fall short of the glory of God, which is what God intends for us, the only thing that helps us to get better is Jesus. Jesus is the answer to every question that's asked in church. <laughs> that's what I was taught when I was little. But that in itself should bring us to remorse, shouldn't it? But we sometimes like to sweep it under the rug, not go, not go wholehearted, not give our all or give our everything in a certain situation. Recognizing it, renouncing it, feeling remorse for it. They begin to help us move on our journey of discipleship. If we return to the reading from, that Darlene gave from Acts 2. 
and to Peter's call there to the crowd to repent. You have to go through that process of complete confession in order to then lead to a time of repentance. And as we come today to, to, to lead into the time, a time of, of, of communion, a time of receiving from God in the sacraments, I want to encourage you to really enter into repentance. And if during those words that Anne led us through, you found or you feel, maybe I was just reading those words, not really, not really concentrating on what they were, not really thinking about what I was saying, well then, take time now to recognize your brokenness. Take, take, take time now to renounce the sin that comes from that brokenness. Feel the remorse as you name it. The sadness that floods over you as you realize what, what you do separates you from the love of God. And then you be led into repentance. Because in order to step into repentance, you've first got to stand in confession. If you're not stood, you're not going to take a step forward. It's very difficult to take a step forward when you're sat down. I've seen my kids try and fail. In my younger days, I tried and failed as well, many times. Um, but you've got to, you've got to stand in confession in order to move forward. And we're going to look at all of these different aspects, these different characteristics through Lent of the things that we need to stand in in order to move forward in our relationship with God, in our walk as disciples. So before we come... Uh, and lead into uh, some praise, and, and then and, and then be, be, be took through uh, into communion. I just want to pray for you. I, I just want to pray, and then really pray God's peace over you. So, Father, we recognize who you are, our Creator our sustainer, our deliverer, our redeemer. And we, we come in that fact knowing that as our brokenness separates us from you, it leads us to live a life of sin. We pray for our, our, ourselves to come and to receive from you forgiveness. Having journeyed through confession, having lived into repentance. And why we say live into repentance, we mean that that's a continual process of continuing to say no to the sin that we are repenting of. We pray for strength. We pray for courage. And as we enter this season of Lent, Lord, we pray for you to sustain us on our journey. So that when we come to Easter morning, we can declare the victory. And we can declare the victory as people who are connected to you. You are our peace, Jesus. You reconcile us to God in one body. You reconcile us by the cross. And we're here, we meet in your name, and we're here to share your peace.
And so the peace of the Lord be always with you.